0: Hey Skyler, what would you like to be when you grow up? A teacher. an astronaut. A doctor. Um, A gymnastics teacher. I like to be when I grow up. A doctor. When I grow up, I want to be a vet. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a gamer. All right, Luke, tell us what you want to be when you grow up. An army. <laughs> doctor. I want to be a doctor. Astronaut. Destruction worker. I want to be a cop. What I want to be is a teacher when I grow up like Miss Megan. I hate to be a doctor. When I grow up, I want to be a teacher. A scientist. A doctor. A nurse. I want to be, when I grow up, a superhero. A structure worker. and to be a dentist. A doctor. Awesome. Dentist. Doctor. <laughs> and those were kids from our preschool that just graduated from preschool the other day. Let's hear it for all of them. Can we do that? And we welcome all of you today and those watching online. We welcome you to the service today. We're glad that you're able to be here. And uh, we're in a message series called Walking with Christ. And as we're walking with Christ and continuing to strengthen our faith in Him, today we're looking at the subject of mentoring, growing with the people of God. And in keeping with the day itself, we're going to be looking at especially helping and mentoring and growing those that we have influence over that are younger than us, Especially some of the children or youth and the influence that we get to have on their lives. 60 Minutes ran a show the other year, uh, a few years back, and on that show they were featuring South Africa and the wildlife uh, preserve in one particular area of that, where they were having problems. 39 of the rhinos that had been part of that particular park were killed. They checked to see if poachers might be the reason why that was happening. But they discovered it wasn't the poachers. Ten years before, they had had a problem with an overpopulation of elephants. So what the rangers did was they killed, euthanized, a number of the older male elephants. And in getting rid of them, they made sure that the younger males of their particular group were big enough to function on their own without the male father. And so they exterminated these fathers, and they ended up discovering something very interesting. What they found out was that these fathers, being gone, caused the younger elephants to create gangs. And in these gangs, they were roaming through the park. And they would come to a rhino, and some of these guys were getting so mean, they would push them over, they would sit on them, or they would put their knees on them and knee them to death. It was the elephants, the teenage elephants that were killing the rhinos. They thought, what should we do about this? What could uh, could happen to help this situation? And so they came up with an interesting idea. They found a great big, older, dominant elephant male. And they brought him to the preserve. And when they brought him to the preserve... He made his presence known real quickly to the younger male elephants. He brought them all under his own dominance. And he showed them the way to go. They had to euthanize the ringleader of the gang, the teenage elephant, Mafudo. They had to get rid of him. But something happened in that place when they brought this male in with some dominance. When this happened... They had no more killings of the other animals. When this happened, he showed them how to live. He mentored them. I wish our society in the United States and around the world would take a lesson from the animal kingdom because we need this kind of leadership happening in our world today for the strong presence of showing others how to live in a responsible and respectable way. Today's message is talking about influencing in a positive way those that are coming behind us. You may have no children in your life right now. You may be estranged from your children. You may have nieces and nephews. Maybe it is that you're a teacher or an influencer of a coach of some kind, and you help a team in some way, and you try to bring life and hope to them. So today this message is talking about mentoring the generations that will follow us. Dr. James Dobson, a wonderful writer, a radio uh, speaker, he wrote this. He's a psychologist. Sometimes we're so concerned about giving our children what we never had growing up that we neglect to give them what we did have while we were growing up. And so today I want to look at that verse of Scripture, that single verse of Scripture that Pastor Dwight Read for us just a little bit ago. And I want to break it apart today. And I want to look at it as it guides us in the way that we should go as influencers, and then in turn guides the younger people in the way they should go as people that are being influenced by an older generation and by a next generation. You know, it's easy to feel like we're obsolete the older we get, it's easy to feel that we're out of touch, we don't understand all the gadgets. They come out so quickly, we feel like we're behind. Before very long, we feel like we're outdated. We feel like we're irrelevant. We're out of touch. You say, well, Kev, how would you know that? Because every birthday I have, I feel the chilly breeze of that concept creeping up on me. It's easy to feel that way. But I want to tell you this. You're not obsolete. You're not out of touch. You're needed in society. If God wanted you in heaven, you would be there already. He has left you here and you are here on purpose to make a difference whether you know what that difference is yet or you're still trying to discover the significance of your role. He knows what's going on. I remember sitting at the um, table eating many evening meals with Dr. and Mrs. Powers and guests would be there and Pam and I were invited and we would sit there with them. We would be in the Powers' home. And I remember watching how they handled themselves and the grace that they went about in their home. And I saw something quite interesting that intrigued me. I kept my mouth closed, small mouth, big ears, when the conversations happened, and basically spoke when I was spoken to, but I didn't try to bring a lot of the conversation in the room. Mrs. Powers, when she would speak, would take her time very methodically working through a conversation, She would hesitate him and haul around a word and then she would change it to another word and then she would change it probably again to a third word to make sure she expressed fully what she was trying to say. I wanted to finish some of the sentences for her. I looked over to see how her husband was handling this. He would sit over here to my left. And I looked over to see how he would handle it. He would look there and with a with a calm look on his face, he would listen. He never interrupted her. He never demeaned her. He did not finish her stories for her. He allowed her to be the person that she is. And he respected her. And he honored her. And he gave her the uh, measure of dignity that was due her. So let's break this verse apart. The first thing we're going to do if we're going to influence others is realize we have a great responsibility. Look at verse 6. It says we are to train the children. We are an investor in their development, in our time, in our words as we teach them by the experiences, by placing a high value on their life, by being there for them. We become an example throughout their life. I didn't know how you would live going through different stages of life. I look at life by decades, and I wonder how do you live when you're in your whatever decade it is. And I'd look at that, and then I would find some people around me and begin to say, well, look how they have lived. And maybe you can emulate some of the good of the way they've lived this decade and go through the seasons of changes of life and be an honorable person. In Psalm 37, verse 25, it says this. I was young, and now I'm old, Never have I seen the righteous forsaken. What a testimony to give to young people. What a testimony to give and to pass on to those people you influence. Leadership is influence, Boil down to one word. Influence is the word. It is the influence you have over other people. It is that which you impart into their life. And you and I have the privilege of saying something, even as a psalmist says right here. I was young, now I am old, but God has seen me through every step of the way. This is something I look at my father's life and and respect. My father uh, was the oldest in his family. There were six siblings. His dad died when my dad went over to pick him up to take him to the St. Louis uh, Hospital that was Barnes Jewish Hospital where they did the heart work at that time. It was back in the 60s. And my grandfather just fell over with a heart attack. My father tried to resuscitate him. The uh, medics came, they tried to resuscitate him, but it wasn't to be, and he died in his 50s and just dropped dead, and that was it. And uh, I watched my dad growing up. I did not know my grandfather. I was two when he passed, but I watched my dad grow through all those years, and I watched what he did. He watched my grandpa Boone because my dad's father was not a Christian. His grandfather was, but he had died long ago. And my father would sit and talk to my grandfather Boone and talk to him about life and talk to him about uh, Christian walk. And I watched basically as my grandfather Boone mentored my dad and in effect mentored me in that setting. It was amazing to watch it work. I watched my dad then work around his coworkers as he was uh, the chairman or the supervisor of a Research department, and I would go with him in the evenings, and I would watch him work with those people and how he respected them, and how he would handle all the situations, even when he had problems. And I could see him stress on my dad, and I knew he was stressed, but I watched him. Now, there's something else that the Scripture would talk to us about here, when it says we are to train up. In the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's a cool, cool, cool word, cool word. Look at this. It gives us in chapter six, verses six through seven. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. He's talking to the adults. Put these on your hearts, adults, moms and dads. Your kids don't just need to go to Sunday school. Your kids don't just need to go to VBS. You need to have this in your heart. Look at that. Put them in your heart. Now, what are we going to do with them? Now we have them in our heart. Impress them on your children. How are we going to do that? Talk to them. Uh, when you sit at home, so around the dinner table, uh, sometimes put the phones away, sometimes turn off the TV, when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, or when you drive along the road, maybe you talk about that, and when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, your home is supposed to be a place where God is the center, where Christ is the centerpiece. doesn't mean you make your home a monastery. No, you still have fun playing ball playing video game, doing all kinds of stuff you do. You still have some fun fishing and all kinds of things like that. But what this scripture does is it may take you just a few minutes to conceive that child, but when you have that child, you are supposed to train up, and that, ladies and gentlemen, takes a long, long time. Anne Graham Lotz, Billy Graham's daughter, spoke of her mother, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, and said this, What my mother taught me, and that which I seek to pass on to her grandchildren, is that God is enough, period. And she goes ahead and writes this. Growing up, I had a bedroom directly above my mother's bedroom. That would be a choice spot, wouldn't it? She said, at nighttime, I could see the light of her room reflecting on the tree outside her bedroom as I looked out my window. She said, I knew that my mother was praying. Many times I would go down and I knew I didn't need to even try to interrupt her. She was down there praying for the family, for my father, for the world. She said in the morning I would get up and I could see the light reflecting in the tree again. She had already gotten up before I did. And my mother, if I went down to see her, would be sitting with her many Bible translations, sitting there reading the scriptures. And then she concludes with this, her words of her mother. She knows God well. What a legacy statement about her mother. Man, she knows God well. Look at at another part of this verse, verse 6, Proverbs 22. We have a great privilege. Look what it says. We are to train them in the way they should go. Now, what we like to do is train them in the way we want them to go. That's why we chase after scholarships when they're five years old and six years old and seven years old. Nothing wrong with getting some assistance, but good grief. God has a purpose, this verse is saying, for your child's life. And your child may change their mind on what they want to be and what they want to do when they get bigger. You don't know. Anthony told us he wanted to be a roller coaster repairman or engineer when he was a kid. Well, he's grown up a little bit since then, and he led our worship up here today. And I remember when uh, he and Andrew, just older than him, were in the youth group down here, and Pastor Dan was teaching him to play the guitar. And Pastor Dan came to me and said, your boys like to play the guitar. Well, I would heard Anthony playing it, I knew he did, and I hadn't heard Andrew much. He said, now they play it totally differently. They play totally differently. One of them likes acoustic, one of them likes electric, but they both love the guitar. And I said, okay. Well, you know what Uh, about that? This morning, Anthony led it up here, and my son Andrew led the music down at his church in the Carolinas. Isn't that wild? Train up a child in the way they should go, in the way they should go. Now, what's it saying? It's saying train them up the way they should go. Another word you could put in there is the bent they have. That is the inclination, listen to this, that God has put into their heart. It will never go against God's word. It will never compete with God's word. It will always be in keeping with what God's word is. But he will help them discover who they are, and you and I are supposed to raise them toward that bent. Now, God didn't make a mistake if you're born the gender you are, that's how he had you born. It's okay to be that, just stay that and keep being that and be the best of that gender you can be. Don't confuse that. Don't let the world confuse it. Don't let the world tell you that, they, that you've got to be different. You be who God made you to be. You're good enough for God. At the end of the day, you're going to go see God. You're not going to go see that teacher. You're not going to go see those other kids in the class that might have their impressions of what you should be. You know that at the end, you're going to go see God. He loves you. He likes you. You're good enough. And you just keep walking with Him. He's, he's got your back. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. As a parent, our goal is, you know, you have a plant. Maybe you have a plant in your house. Maybe you have some plant in the garden or whatever, and it kind of grows a little bit tall and maybe it'd be floppy otherwise, you know. You have to put a stick in the ground and stake, you know, stake it up, right? Not ribeye steak or... That sounds good, doesn't it? I'm getting hungry now. But you kind of just stake it up, right, so it can grow. That's what he's talking about in the way it should grow. That's what he's saying. It, it, don't confuse this. Don't make it hard. Bruce Wilkinson, great minister, has influenced my life And he's a great influencer of Christianity around the world. He says this, God has placed a purpose in the heart of every man and every woman. I say that with gentleness and kindness, and I echo his word. He's placed a purpose in your heart and a person sitting beside you. And it's true. Max Lucado said this. He said, Don't see your child as a blank slate awaiting your pen, but as a written book awaiting your study. I think that is incredible. Now, the scripture here is saying to us, train them in the way they should go, verse 6, tells us that they're kind of like an arrow, and we're supposed to proverbially shoot them in the way they should go, to launch them in the way they should go. It's likened to the same concept in Psalm 127, verse 4, where it says there that the hunter has many arrows like the arrows of children. And what they're saying is you're shooting them as if you're influencing and impacting. Now, what we are to do as parents, Bible scholars will say to us, in this concept is, is like the midwives used to do. They would crush the little, the little dates, they would crush them, get the juice out of them, and that little juice that would come out of them, they would stick it on the palate of a newborn so they would create a sucking sensation so they could give it to the mom till it would latch on. And that's exactly what is being said to us here in the way they should go. You see, we affirm the idea that God is giving them within. I remember telling my kids, by the way, you don't have to go into full-time Christian ministry. This isn't some family business. You can be a teacher, a garbage collector. You can be a, a hardware worker. Uh, you can work in construction. You can be a doctor. You can be a lawyer. I don't care what you do. You do whatever God calls you to do, and that's okay. You've got my blessing. Go for it. Chuck Swindoll helped me out a lot with this When A number of years ago, I read his analysis on this passage, and he said, when you get a child, like Nick and, Ligget, uh, Nick and uh, Julia Liggett had a little baby this week, Hazel Jean, and so it's like getting a box, a cake box with the mix in it. You get the cake mix. Now, you're going to add some of the ingredients to that. So you're going to get what you get. People were asking, I remember way back 100 years ago when we were getting ready to have kids, they were asking me, Pastor Kevin, do you want a boy? You know you want a boy first, don't you? Come on, you want, you want a little boy first. And I said, if I have my wish, I'd like to just have healthy and I don't care what it is. If I can have it, that's what I would wish for. Just God, give me whatever you think we can handle and whatever you have in mind. Well, I want to I look at that last little part of that verse that I think is terribly important. This part of the verse gets misunderstood, I think, a little bit. So I want to help clarify it because I want to bring proper light to it. We have a great responsibility in verse 6. Look at it. When they grow old, they won't depart from it. Now, this is a tough verse to define, so I've slowed my message down just a little bit here on purpose. We must remember this is a proverb. Proverbs are general truisms. It means it's generally true. It's hard to square this verse up as a promise. But it appears for the general truth and it speaks to us just the same. And so this great part of the verse is every person's desire. Dr. Steve Lennox in his writing and commentary on this, he said this, I think he he summed it well. He said, someone misunderstood this proverb as a promise. Instead it should be read as a most comforting, listen to this, principle. If, If children are raised in this way, the way God wants them to go, the effects will continue to be felt even into old age. This kind of training leaves too deep of an impression and too valuable and too winsome, and God's Spirit is too faithful for early lessons to be easily forgotten. This is why we take them to VBS. This is why we take them, not send them, to Sunday school. This is why we bring them to church and sit in with them is because we want them to understand that God is important to us. He is a centerpiece. You know, I was watching a replay of an interview with Andy Stanley and Charles, his dad. And Andy said, Dad, you always would say to us the same thing when we came to you and asked your opinion on something. You would say, What does the Bible say? And then you say, Have you prayed about it? What is God saying to you about that? He said, Dad, what was with that? He said, Well, I knew this. I wasn't going to be with you everywhere. But a new God could be with you everywhere. His truth would stand in that moment. His spirit would teach you and guide you in the way you needed to go. So if I taught you to lean on him and not me, you would have all the answers you need going through life. So now Charles is dead and he's still living. Can't go ask his dad, but he can go to the Bible and he can talk to God because that's the same thing that guided Charles That's the same thing that's going to guide Andy, and it's absolutely wonderful. And you know what I know this morning? Some of you sitting here have children that have gone a long way the wrong way. And and right now, you just almost wonder, is there even any hope? You're tired of praying for them. You're stressed out beyond measure. You don't know if there's any hope. You wonder if if it's worth even praying another prayer for them. But I want to remind you that God allows U-turns in the pig pen of life. And he allows U-turns for your kids and for you. And he knows where you are today. And even though you're sitting there, you remind me now about that story of the prodigal son. The prodigal has gone a long way, everything wrong about his life. He had burned up all the assets he had. He is living now among the pigs. He's sitting there and he's thinking to himself, my stars, how many of my father's hired servants have enough food to eat? And here I am sitting eating this I'm doing things I never thought I would do. I'm with people I never thought I'd be with. I'm with things that are, oh, this is so unclean. There's got to be a better way. I wonder if I can go back home. And there somehow he figured out a U-turn was possible. This is the work of the Holy Spirit drawing, right? And he realized a U-turn is possible. And he starts heading back. Can you imagine what was going on in his mind? I wonder if they're going to accept me when I go back. I wonder what my father will say. I wonder what my brother might think. I wonder if the neighbors will see me. I wonder if the people I was with will say anything, those that are still alive. I wonder what's going on with all of this stuff. He's got all of these 50-11 thoughts, and he's a long way. He's in a far country. But he starts coming back... And and starts coming back, and he's making his way, hitchhiking along, and finally he starts seeing some things that are familiar. He sees McDonald's. He sees Burger King. Woo! He sees those places. Pretty soon he sees Lowe's, and he sees Walmart. Then he gets a little further and he sees Dillard's, and then he goes a little further and he sees the stadium where the Iron Pigs play. And then he makes a turn and starts heading on the street where he grew up. Some of the familiar landmarks are getting really close to him now. He sees some of the neighborhood houses where he used to go over and the kids he used to play with are all now grown. Some of them are still living there. Most of them have moved away, and he's wondering what to go on. He sees some people ducking back into their house because they know his story. They don't want to be influenced by him. They're tucking back into his house. Oh my goodness. He wonders when I crest over this little rise here and I get back over and start looking down and see, will my dad even care that I'm here? Will my dad even look? Has he really even missed me? I wonder what my dad... And he comes over that crest and the other doors are slamming to him. But that door is open because his dad is out there looking down the road. His dad is out there looking down the road. And he says, yes! and he pulls up his his robe, and he's embarrassing himself, and he starts running, he starts running, and he's running to his kid, and as he runs to his kid, tears are streaming down his face, and he says, are my eyes betraying me? Is that my son? And he gets closer, and he smells the pigs, and he sees his son looks like slop dip, and he goes up to him, and he gives him a big old hug, and he says, hey, 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 my son is, wow, he's here. Man, he has returned. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't know it would happen. I didn't know if he could. Oh, God, you really were listening to my prayers. You really did care. You did watch over him. He's got experiences I don't want to hear about. He's been places I don't want to know. God, I didn't raise him that way, but something happened. And you start saying, son, what was it? And he said, back at VBS, they said this. Back here in the youth group, they said this. Pastor Josh said it, I heard it, but I didn't do anything about it. But it was somewhere in the back of my head. They sang that song. I started hearing it over in my head. He's a way maker, miracle worker, and somehow it was louder than all the things around me. And I began to say, God, if you're really real. And he said, I said, I'll go back home. And he started going back home. And God forgave him. And he was restored. His older brother was a knucklehead. He said, why didn't you kill the calf for me? We didn't bring in Texas Roadhouse when I went away. Come on, what are you doing? His dad smacked him upside the head and said, shut up. (laughs) That took care of that. And he could see straight now. And some of you sitting here have been the prodigal. And some of you sitting here are the prodigal. And you need to do a U-turn. And some of you watching right now from wherever you are, you wonder, can I do a U-turn? Oh, yes, you can do a (laughs) U-turn. Yes, you can come back to the Father's house. There's room. The door is open. He loves you. He'll offer forgiveness to you. He'll set you free. And when He sets you free, He'll set you free without condemnation. Others may remember. They may say stuff. Don't listen to Him. Listen to Him. Look past all of that and just look at Him. And... To you, parents, keep talking to your kids when you take them on walks. Keep teaching them when you take them to the ball games and pick them up afterwards. Keep chatting with them on vacations. Keep sharing meals at the dinner table and at bedtime. Give them notes of affirmation in their lunchbox. Send texts to them to tell them you love them. Give them hugs. Give them gifts now and again without any kind of payback expected. Keep taking them to church. And let God have your kids, have those that you influence. Lord Jesus is quiet in this room. Some people never heard a pastor get wound up as I did today. Some don't know what to do with this atmosphere that's in this room right now. But something of you is calling us all to yourself. Today, Lord, we lay our families at your feet. Today, Lord, we lay that classroom at your feet. We lay that ball team at your feet. Lord, we lay that dance team at your feet. We give our coworkers that we influence and those that work for us and with us to you, we lay them at your feet. Lord, we give you those that are broken and out there somewhere right now and we don't even know where, we give them to you, they're at your feet. And pray that you would help each one of us to just let them go into your care. And let you do the work that none of us can do. Let you speak in ways we cannot. In Christ's name we pray.